Welcome back to the 10 Blocks podcast. This is your host, Brian Anderson, the editor of City Journal. Before we get started, I want to tell listeners that our new autumn 2018 issue is hot off the press. You can check out the full table of contents on our website, but for starters, we have Kay Heimowitz with a history of women's advocacy in America. This is already available online. John Tierney on the prescription drug debate. Economist Edward Glazer with policy proposals to get the long-term unemployed in the Rust Belt back to work. And Nicole Gelinas on the growth of non-bank lending and the mounting risk that entails. Then we have articles on the homeless problem in Seattle, Miami's innovative program for diverting the mentally ill from jail, and lots, lots more. We'll be recording podcasts on 10 Blocks with some of these authors, so stay tuned for all that in the coming weeks. But we're here today to talk with my colleague Seth Barron about the city and state that many of us here at City Journal call home, New York. Listeners outside New York might not know this, but Republicans, with the help of moderate Democrats, have held a narrow majority in the state Senate. That looks set to change with the upcoming election, and the implications for policy could be enormous in New York. So we'll talk with our associate editor, Seth Barron, after this. Seth, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, Thanks, Brian. I'm glad to uh, be here. The elections are coming up, and Democrats do seem poised to take over full control of state government. So can you give a breakdown for our non-New York listeners about what the most likely outcome of this election is looking like um, electorally, and how did a group of Democrats, people don't understand this outside New York, I think, end up caucusing with Republicans for the last uh, eight years, I think. And what's going to happen now? Sure, Brian. Um, You said before that uh, Republicans held the um, – that Democrats held the state Senate briefly uh, in 2010. Really, Republicans have had control of the, the New York State Senate since the 30s, except for a very brief interlude in 2010. Um which turned out to be so dysfunctional that it just collapsed almost immediately. Uh, Three successive uh, Democratic leaders went to prison uh, for various scandals. You know, it just devolved into arguments about uh, parking spots and keys and who got which office. Um, It turned into a real mess. And the Republicans uh, managed to take control again. Now, uh, yes, there was a group of Democrats who, led by Jeff Klein in the Bronx, who decided to caucus, uh, form an independent Democratic conference, as they called it. And they agreed to caucus with the Republicans. Um, these were moderate Democrats. I mean, not, I mean, liberal by the standards of, you know, the American political scene, but somewhat moderate by New York standards. Um, Now, the reason they did this is there's a number of reasons. Uh, For one, uh, Jeff Klein felt aggrieved that he wasn't going to be made the Senate majority leader, that he wasn't going to be president of the Senate 
basically because the Democratic caucus, dominated by downstate Dems, had agreed among themselves that they would only vote for a person of color to be the Senate president. Uh, as one of the top fundraisers, this annoyed Klein. So he and his girlfriend, who was a senator from Staten Island, Diane Savino, and a few other uh, state senators cleaved off and agreed to caucus with the Republicans. Some people say that this was uh, facilitated by Governor Cuomo, who, you know, in a divide and conquer scheme, wanted to have more influence and power himself. Exactly. Well, what has happened to this uh, this group of supposedly independent Democrats? Well, um, the mainstream Democrats in New York State have been targeting the IDC for years. Through primaries. Through primaries. And this was Bill de Blasio's, one of his top goals in 2014 was to unseat the IDC. Uh, it worked against him. And in fact, the Republicans took over like outright control at that point. Um, 2016, they had other things going on. Uh, this year, 2018, the, Demo the progressive Democrats really focused strongly on unseating the IDC, and almost all of them were turned out. Jeff Klein, Tony Avella, Jose Peralta. Um, so it's it was pretty much a bloodbath for the IDC, uh, and they've all been replaced by, you know, very um, loyal loyal mainstream Dems. So the Democrats, if they do win in um, in the upcoming election, uh, they're going to get their wish for an all blue New York. What do you think is going to be at the top of their policy agenda? What kind of you know, legislative pushes would we be looking at here in New York? Um, are we talking about a millionaire's tax? That's something that's been bandied about before, that kind of thing. I, I think that would definitely be on the agenda. Uh, I mean, they have a very long wish list. And, you know, at, of course, you, you can't do everything all at once. So they're going to have to prioritize. Uh, one thing that they have wanted uh, very much and they've been pushing for is the New York Health Care Act, which has passed the Assembly a number of times, never made it through the Senate. Uh, and this would be a single-payer. Um, state-based single-payer Yes, single-payer uh, health care system where everyone would buy into it. It would basically be a kind of Medicare for all just in New York State. Uh, you know, this is estimated to you know, it'll cost something like $140 billion. It just seems wildly unfeasible. It would require a 156% tax increase, I believe. Uh, I mean, this is the sort of thing that Cynthia Nixon, when she was running for governor, said, she doesn't care how it gets paid for, let's just pass it, and then we'll work it out. And that does seem to be the the attitude of a lot of the, the more left-leaning um, Democrats. Governor Cuomo, uh, to his credit, has indicated that this is the sort of thing that he thinks needs to be tackled nationally, not at the state level. 
So I'm not so sure that that would— um, He might veto such a bill. He might veto such a bill. Um, what what other— uh, Well, rent control, for instance. Um, in the early 70s, uh, Albany passed something called the Erstat Law, which is a slow, a very slow deregulation of the New York rent control system. Um, so there are— like if if a apartment if a rent regulated apartment reaches a certain uh, rental threshold and the people who live there make a certain amount of money, it can become decontrolled and become a market rate apartment. It includes different triggers. If someone moves out, the landlord can do improvements and increase the rent, so forth and so on. Um, this is uh, very much disliked by progressive Democrats. Uh, they want elimination of the Erstat law. They would like to see increased regulation uh, of apartments, more apartments brought under rent control or rent regulation. Uh, they want more control just given to the, the municipalities. So this would, they you know, they, this is uh, likely to be on their agenda. Um, another thing that the Democrats would probably push for is limitation on charter schools. Um, New York City right now, almost, I think, 10% of New York City public school children attend charter schools, and they're very popular. Uh, but the UFT and NYSET uh, are not happy, of the, the, the teachers. For the use. growing percentage of students in they're, these schools. Yes, right. they're, they're very unhappy about it. Uh, and they would like to see limitations on this. So it's likely that they would push for caps, if not outright, you know, rollbacks. Um, yeah, a millionaire's tax. Uh, Mayor de Blasio has been pushing for uh, a, a, a tax on people making $500,000 and up um, since the beginning of his term. And he, it's funny, he comes up with different things to spend the money on. Uh, but really, the main thing for him is the, the tax. tax itself. Yes. Yeah. So originally, he said, well, we need this tax to pay for pre-K for, for all kids. Then he said, no, now we need it for senior housing. Uh, now he says he wants it to fix the MTA. Um, so this is another thing that he that he will push. I don't know whether... Or not, you know, he needs Albany to pass it. Uh, whether or not Cuomo would go for this, it seems um, it's unlikely. But you know, it's it's on his list. Well, Cuomo started his first term, you know, many years ago now, as at least a somewhat more um, bipartisan figure, mm -hmm. or at least a more conservative Democrat by the standards of New York. Um, now it's 2018. The the national political environment has certainly changed with the election of Trump, uh, with uh, um, you know what is going to be a very contested battle for the Democratic um, presidential race. Uh, what does what does Cuomo's governor's race look like, and uh, what do you think about his aspirations for um, national prominence? Well, it seems. I mean, I, I think all the smart money is on Cuomo for winning the, the governor's race. I mean, he has you know, millions of dollars in the bank compared to his primary competitor, 
Republican uh, Dutchess County Executive Mark Molinero, who has a few thousand dollars, you know, comparatively. Um, the other uh, people who are running, Stephanie Miner, the former mayor of Syracuse, Larry Sharp, the Libertarian, and Howie Hawkins in the Green Party, you know, these are all marginal candidates. Uh, so Cuomo will get a third term. Um, then the question becomes, what is he What is he looking for? You know, it's likely that he has some kind of desires for a national um, platform. But, you know, honestly speaking, uh, he's not really – he's not very good at pressing the flesh. He's not a real retail politician in that way. Um, it seems very unlikely – you know, just his – Demographic profile seems it's somewhat out of favor in that uh, in that party. So I, I'm not so sure. He he may just seek to get a fourth term in 2022. Um, he, he may have reached his level. On a related topic, you mentioned earlier um, the arrests of several Democratic leaders. There's also Republican legis state legislative leaders behind bars. Uh, corruption has been this ongoing problem in Albany. Uh, indeed, several of Cuomo's close associates uh, have been convicted in recent years for bribery and other, uh, other charges. Is there anything new on that front that could give uh, New Yorkers greater confidence in the honesty of their elected officials? Uh, I don't think so. And why is corruption just so bad in this state? I've heard different people opine on this. I'm not sure it's necessarily worse here than it is in other states. There's a lot of money floating around New York State. Um, the governor has tremendous power and tremendous authority over uh, dispersing money. Um, and that leads to all kinds of potentials for corruption. I mean, from everything I've heard, Andrew Cuomo is not personally venal. He's just very, very into power. Uh, so when you have someone like that in control of tens of billions of dollars in development money, uh, it can lead to a, a lot of corruption underneath him. And that's what we've seen. It's a sad state. I don't see any way that it's going to be changed or reformed at any time soon. I mean, another thing that the Democrats will probably want to push for in uh, assuming they win will be campaign state campaign finance reform, including uh, limits and including a public public financing of campaigns. One of the real problems, I think, is is uh, you, you don't have a two-party state or, uh, or anything close to it really is becoming a kind of political monoculture. So um, that, you know, that can lead to corruption as well. Certainly. And as we see in New York City, where we have a very robust campaign finance uh, system, public campaign financing, and we have horrible turnout. Uh, we have incumbents and, uh, you know, getting reelected all the time. And we have an entrenched consultant culture. And I think we'll just see that grow more thoroughly statewide. Well, um, on that rather pessimistic note, uh, 
why don't we uh, end this conversation for now and hope, uh, hope for the best uh, come election day and uh, hope that New York becomes a more competitive political culture over time. Um, don't forget to check out Seth Barron's great work on our website, www.city-journal.org. You can follow Seth on Twitter, at Seth Barron NYC. And we'd love to hear your comments about today's episode on Twitter, at City Journal. Thanks for listening, and thanks, Seth, for joining us. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for joining us for the weekly 10 Blocks podcast featuring urban policy and cultural commentary with City Journal editors, contributors, and special guests.